Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, welcome to yet another episode of the Ugandan podcast. My name is Brandy Azire Valentine, Communication Officer for the Ministry of ICT and National Guidance, who have brought you this amazing broadcast. Or should I say production, really? And uh, today we are going to be discussing an amazing topic. It's business digitization. And to discuss that with us, there's none other than Rowena Terinawe, Head of ICT Advisory, Strategy and Research for the Centenary Technology Services. As you hear that title, it's heavy and long because the work she does is magnificent. So Rowena, you are welcome to the Ugandan podcast. Thank you, Brandy. Mm, have you seen that intro? Yeah. It's bankable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell us more about yourself. Besides uh, being uh, an ICT guru and more, who is Rowena Terinawe? Okay, so like you've said, my name is Rowena yes. Turinawe. Mm. I am a Muchiga from Rukunjiri, okay. proudly. Yeah. I am a mother. Yes. I am a tech enthusiast. I always wanted to be a lawyer. I was always those smart kids that talked nonstop, but somehow I'm in tech and I love it. Yeah. I am a Christian, yeah. so I try to remain grounded in everything I do. I try to center my life around, you know, Christian values. Yeah. Um, Yes, and I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm yeah. so glad you're here. And uh, you said you're Muchiga, actually. Yes. So, Tua Kwa Chida. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, if we're to, let's get into this discussion today. As you know, on the Ugandan podcast, we discuss everything that makes a Ugandan better and uh, stuff happening in our country and by our country people. And one, I know you have worked with MTN. I also know you've worked with NITAU, National IT Authority, uh, Uganda, and also now you're working with Centertech. And I could go on and on, but what has your journey been like? My journey has been challenging, to mm. say the least. Mm. As Like I said earlier, I wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah. I, I, was, I never liked mathematics or, you know, the scientific things. I talked a lot. I used to think I was so clever. I liked but arguing. You, but you're very clever. <laughs> When I was younger, of course, yeah. I, I had that idea that lawyers were that either you're a lawyer or you're a doctor, and you know. So I, I wanted to be in that field, mm. but somehow I got I got into university, yeah. and I got ICT on a government scholarship. And you know, when you're young, my motivation was allowance. So mm. I was like, you know what, I am doing IT, mm. and then I got into the path of IT. Mm. So I started my journey with Rock Telecom. Yeah. I used to, you know, IT is a very male-dominated sector. True. So when I got into Rock Telecom, I was a NOC engineer. I used to splice fiber. Splicing what is, is, what, what is network operational center. You know, so these are the people who watch the internet, connect customers. We see if your internet is down. I was a technical person. Okay. I used to climb fiber poles, wear these heavy boots. It was very hectic. Yeah. I used to work in the night, so I would miss family events, work late, spend half my shift asleep. It was hectic. Yeah. But I then graduated into from Rock Telecom, I went to Mantrak. So Mantrak is another sort of engineering-based, a male-dominated job where I was doing IT support. Yeah. So from climbing the f- fiber cables and the <laughs> poles, I moved into, you know, so go under the desk and connect cables, switch on, switch off, take power on, power off. It was very, really male-dominated. So I went into Mantrak. I moved from going under people's desks to connect their computers to becoming an assistant manager, and then I moved to MTN. When I moved to MTN, by then I had gotten a bit of experience and I had continued to do certifications, you know, enhance my knowledge, enhance my expertise. And so I was in charge of service delivery for five countries. So I got there and it was IT shared services. And here we are managing service delivery for Swaziland, Rwanda, Zambia, South Sudan. It was a lot. 
And needless to say, I was still, I'm still young, but I was fairly young then. Okay. So I had to literally grow up and realize that, you know, it's, this is not just about me being a girl in a male-dominated sector. I have to grow up. So I went into MTN. I managed those five countries, service delivery. If, just to bring it into context, I was managing things like internet, mm. MTN internet. Your data is off. Mobile money. So if mobile money was down, my neck was on the line. <laughs> so I did that for a, a couple of years and then I moved into Nita. Yeah. Nita, I, I think, was... I like how you uh, say Nita with a smile. No, because I was there for six years. I was there for quite a bit of time. Yeah. And I learned a lot from... Nita is a government entity and... Government has a way, I think you know, of just showing you another side of reality. <laughs> so I, I transitioned from private sector for the longest time and moved into a government entity. Yes. And I was responsible there for transforming business. Mm. So we, I get into NITA and there's maybe 47 systems across government. My job was business transformation. Yeah. How do you grow the systems? How do you improve the services? How do you improve the process? An example of one of the things that we were struggling with was immigration. They had a process for applying for a passport which had 42 steps. My job was hey. to make sure that from 42, yeah. the citizen has minimal steps in which they can apply for a passport. So I immediately shifted my mindset from going under desks, climbing poles, connecting internet, fixing you know, technical issues to thinking, what does a business need? How do we make it work? How do we improve the process? How does, why does IT matter to a normal person? So at NITA, I, I had a lot of room to grow my thinking outside technology, but more into what value does it add? You know, when we were growing up, when I was growing up, we knew that IT was computers, equipment, hardware. It's irrelevant now. Anybody can true. do that. What we need because to look at now... Because of the cloud and stuff, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the value is what are you doing? How are you improving business? So my journey has been challenging, not because it was hard, but because I was always thrown into a space that was different. Now from government and business processes, now I move into... You've said my title. Centenary now, this is back into the private sector. Yeah. It's now more about a strategy. How do we strategize, not just for the private sector, but you know, Centenary is at the heart of the rural poor. The poor, how do we bring government into the fold? So it's another space where I just have to think outside the box, reinvent myself, move into research and other things. So I think my journey has been challenging, but very rewarding. Mm. Very rewarding, especially because the business transformation is no longer a, a nice to have. It's necessary. It's a necessity. It's ne yeah, yeah. Bare necessity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah. Challenging but rewarding. Yes. Yeah. So, as an ICT advisory strategy and research person, which innovations have made it possible for the ICT industry to thrive generally? Yeah. So, I think one of the things that you touched on earlier, of course, was cloud. Yeah. Um, traditionally, of course, the biggest bulk, the biggest operational costs or capex are initial cost of any business, we have to buy servers, we have to buy storage, we need to buy equipment, do we get a data center? It's, you're looking at the harder things. Skilled labor uh -huh. to manage this the expensive yes. stuff. Then even operational, keeping the lights on, the AC, it's very heavy on cost and a bit low on value. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I believe in ICT that's fundamentally transformed, one of the, the introductions in ICT is cloud services, yeah. software as a service is people who've made the initial investment, like what Raxio is doing or what other companies are doing. They put the money in and then they give you a service as a service. Yes. I think that is one of the things that has saved businesses, reduced costs, made it easy for people to do ICT. Another thing I believe in terms of, I wouldn't call them innovations, but in terms of things that have been introduced um, that have helped um, propel ICT, especially within government and private, public sector, shared services. Initially, people would build different say, payment gateway systems. We have a million 
service providers, SMSs, you have 30 providers, everybody is sort of trying to do what everybody is already doing. But with the idea of shared services, you have these platforms or these integration platforms which everybody can just plug in and get as a service. So as instead of me true. spending that money, I can easily you know, pay for a service that will make my cost of being doing business cheaper, but also make my service to a citizen or to a customer or to another country much, much easier. When you talk about shared services, which ones are you talking about? When I talk about shared services, I mean things like SMSs, okay. payment services, Visas and hosting. Then even if you look at things like, for example, URA. Mm. If you imagine a world where government said, okay, URA is going to collect money. URA, Uganda Revenue Authority. Sorry, Uganda Revenue Authority. <laughs> but everybody else can have their own little payment process, payment um, aggregator, payment service. Imagine the nightmare we had. Imagine the nightmare we would have had. It sounds like so much would be going yeah, on. So much would be going on. Yeah. And the service wouldn't be as seamless. But now we have a shared service where we say, if we're paying for any service, we can go say to URA. Yeah. Everybody will use the same channel. Whatever bank you own, you can pay for a service. It makes it easier for anybody to adopt a service. Yes. Yeah. CIO Africa <laughs> listed you as a top. Let me even, I want to even read it properly as one of the 35 most influential women in technology. What does this mean for, what does this signify for you and uh, the women in the field and your journey that you have shared? Hmm? 35 okay. most influential women in technology. In Africa, please. Just, okay, okay. Just <laughs> Very soon um, you'll make it to the world, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, like I said, as a girl from Rukunjiri, mm. to be recognized at a continental level, yeah. I think is a huge achievement. True. Not just for me, but for what I represent, for who I represent. For a person who started from, I started from a career. I didn't go to, okay, I eventually advanced, but my initial degree was here at home. Yeah. I was raised and groomed by teachers here at home. Yeah. My experience, like I said, where I started working was here at home. Yeah. And, and for me to be recognized at a continental level, for me, just it, it gives me a ray of hope mm -hmm. that regardless of where you're from or where you start, how you excel and how you do your work and how well you do your work will speak for you. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it wasn't, CIO Africa is not something you apply for. Yeah. It's not something you say, please vote me, vote me. No, it's the eyes. I'm being honest. Yeah. It's the eyes and people who see your work and who see the value that you add and who see what you bring to the table in your industry yeah. that actually propel you. So for me to have that recognition, first of all, was very humbling, yeah. but also was encouraging that other, other girls, other women, other people in, not even just women, other men might be in a female-dominated sector. Mm. Whatever sector you're in that is not tended or you know, inclined towards your gender, you can still thrive and excel as long as you do your best, yeah. give it your all, and you add value. You add this is why I like business transformation. It's all about value. So I think for me, it's just encouraging that anybody can reach and can get there if they excel yes. and add value in whatever field they're in. Okay. Yeah. That's very brilliant. I'm also now feeling, I'm feeling inspired. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. Because yeah. anyway, let's move on. Uh, this year, Center Tech. I'm going to call it Centetech because Centenary Technology Services. It's a mouthful. Yes. Mm. So Centetech signed uh, up, has a partnership with the Ministry of ICT and National Guidance. Uh, what are the three priorities of this partnership? Okay. So just to give you a background, the reason why Centetech was very interested in having a relationship, we keep calling it a marriage with the ministry, 
is because you're in bed with the minister. We are in bed. Professor Bazayo had you. I hope he hears me actually. Yes. So the reason that we were very interested in the ministry is because Centenary as a group, because Centenary Technology Services is a subsidiary of the group. Yes. And that what is at the heart of Centenary are the rural poor. True. Providing financial services, ensuring that even my great grandmother in the middle of I don't know where can access finance, she can access credit, she can. Ac- so we, our heart is really on improving the lives of the rural poor. Yeah. The Ministry of ICT also is government, mm. and the heart of government is the poor, the people. Yeah. Not only the poor, but the people. Your heart is really a combination uh-huh, of the, the people, poor, the, the poor, yes. the rich, the middle, the I- yeah. Anyway, so. <laughs> Ideally, our interest was because we have common things that bring us together. Yeah. And our interest is how do we use ICT to propel? Yeah. How do we use ICT to improve the lives of people? How do we add value? How do we make business cheaper? So already we had a meeting of minds in terms of what is the heart of what we are doing, why we are doing what we are doing. Mm. So when we got together, the, the three key pillars of our relationship is one, job creation, because I know the ministry is at the heart of business process outsourcing, which is a core function of getting all these people who are unemployed into getting employment. So one, it's BPO. How do we collaborate? Because Centenary has access to market. Yes. Centenary Bank, I, I hope you know, is the number one bank in terms of customer base. Yes, madam. Centenary Group now has the widest expanse. We have that over 3,300 schools, 640 parishes, 200 institutions, 46, like we, Centenary Group is everywhere. Yes. So we have demand in terms of who can consume the service and Ministry of ICT has a need in terms of where do we push the services? How do we help the citizens? So that was a, a converging point. So one, job creation. Two, how uh, do we push the use of ICT services? And across three, the country. Yeah, yeah, across the country. And yeah. to the people, because it's all about the people after all. Yeah. And then thirdly, our third conjoining point is how do we enhance each other? Private sector has expertise. Private sector has access to funding. Private sector has opportunity that government might not have. Yeah. Government has access to environments, to policy, to things that we might not have. So the synergy is how do we then marry what we have as centenary and what the ministry has and make sure that we propel ICT for the social economic advancement of the country. President Joey, yeah. you would be so proud of you. When you start social economic <laughs> development, like, yeah. I was speaking his language. Yeah, you're speaking his language. <laughs> yeah, and also that, that would explain because, and this is, a, I know this is a journey that you started a long time ago. Mm. Because you were also profiled by New Vision as top 40, under 40. Mm. And I think they meant under 30, but it's okay. Eh. We can go with 40. Okay. <laughs> top 40, under 30, under 40. <laughs> you were also profiled as one of the people, women who were... In fact, it wasn't even women this time. It was people yeah. who were causing uh, transformation in ICT. But also my question here is, why should someone care? About ICT. Yeah, like, why should I care? I, I know I can care, I should care about health because COVID, my goodness, and Ebola and yeah. what. I know I should care about, but what, uh, uh, transport because yeah, potholes are not good, <laughs> yeah, not good for anyone's health. But why should we care about ICT? Why should someone invest in the ICT industry? Okay. I think, first and foremost, um, why anyone should care about ICT is it brings about efficiency. Mm. You know, when you think about ICT outside transformation, which is what I began with, mm. you will just look at it as equipment, infrastructure. as infrastructure, as electric poles and internet. But if you think about the benefit of ICT, yeah. you realize that ICT actually transforms everything you do. It makes it efficient. Mm. Think about the process to renew a permit. 
the process, for example, if you lose your number plates, like I did yesterday, how quickly, <laughs> no comment, Brandy, okay. how quickly <laughs> can I have that replaced? Yeah. If you think about if I want pizza or food delivered to my, my doorstep, yeah. or if I, it makes everything efficient, it makes it faster and easier. Yeah. How is that? Because you have solutions. You have a digital app. You're able to afford a data bundle. You're able to have a phone. ICT literally drives the ease of your life. True. And if, if, if we are being frank, over 70% of our, the population are youth. People want things now. They want things fast and they want them easy. Yeah. It, there's, there's, no, there's no point in me having a service if it's going to be long. So you should care about ICT, especially as a young person, because it will make your life easy. easier. Yeah. Very the fight. second point uh. is ICT. You know, it's very easy for you, for the, the youth now, I think, that already have jobs to forget that there are so many unemployed. But for, for, for from a, a standpoint <laughs> that's, of... That's a point of privilege. Yeah, that, <laughs> and, it, and it happens to many people I like meet don't understand. Job creation, that's something that, you know, politicians say and the president says, uh, it's a fact. Yeah. We have thousands of people living in university with no jobs. Yeah. In the context now of the government, we are focusing on business process outsourcing. Uganda has very many young, intelligent people we have a good command of English. Our cost of labor is fairly affordable. The cost of living is low. We are ripe, ready, fertile ground yeah. for business process outsourcing. Yeah. But without ICT, we have no connection with the world. Yeah. We're not able to match with the Chinas and the Philippines and the Indonesias. We are stunted. Yeah. So if you should think about ICT, think about the thousands of people that don't, jo don't have jobs now. And very soon you'll have your own children. And they'll also look for jobs. You see, it's, it's a gift that keeps on giving. So for people to understand that ICT is an enabler for us to create job opportunities is something that should cause everybody to say, you know what, let's invest in ICT, be the forefront at tech, so that other countries can come and pay attention and get people what? Get people jobs. Mm. Also, just my last point, I feel like I'm overranting. Why also I think... <laughs> <laughs> no, you are, you are educating okay. the masses. Also, why I think people should invest in ICT mm. is transparency. You know, you check Twitter and you check Facebook and you check all these social media apps and people are complaining. Our taxes, the government, portals. There's all kinds of, of disgruntlement and all kinds of comments. Most times misinformed, most times ignorance, most times frustration. It's Ma a cocktail. Marcella calls them fake news. Aha, uh -huh, fake news. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cocktail of problems, but if we, if we embrace ICT in all fronts of service delivery, there will be transparency. True. One, there will be transparency because you have access to see what is going on. Yeah. Where has this item reached? What is the process with this? Where have my taxes reached? How do I pay? I'm not paying somebody across the counter. I'm paying digitally so I have access to see what's happening. But also the beauty of ICT from somebody who's, who might be saying, oh my God, my taxes, is it reduces the cost of doing business. It's true. Yeah, so if the cost of doing business is low, that means I'm making more money, saving more. Yes, mm. it works for you. So it's, in, it's something that everybody should pay attention to, but from understanding not the cost that goes into buying ICT, but the value yeah. Yeah, and the transformation. Wow. I now care about ICT more than... You should. I, I, I do, I do. I you do. should. Yeah, but yeah, now I care more. Yeah. Uh, the troubles of this world... They don't come to an end. Mm. But so that means they come with stress and how do you cope with stress? Because like there's so many young people out there who are stressed over different things. Three ways one should cope with stress. Um one the, I pray. Yeah. I pray. Mm. I pray. Yeah. You know, some things can just be too much and you're like, you know what? Let me just give this well. thing to God. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I go to prayer. Yeah. Um sometimes when I'm a bit overwhelmed, really overwhelmed. I delegate. I just say, you know what? And I really delegate. I don't delegate and then I keep peeping. No. I delegate. I trust you. I trust that you're empowered and I leave it to my teams. 
and they yeah, it, it helps reduce the stress. The third way I distress, I have a mentor. I have a couple of mentors who've gone before me and have shown me such amazing examples of how to lead, mm. how to lead teams, yeah. how to have you know work life balance and well rounded life. So I normally go to them. I talk to them. They give me guidance. They give me wisdom. Or sometimes I just watch. Mm. You know, there's this wisdom in, in in observation and in beholding. I just watch them and I. I just learn how to, you yeah. Know, yeah, distress. Those are my three top ways of of distressing. distressing. With rest, yeah, and and also I, that would explain why you have been so efficient over time. It's <laughs> like how is my dumb machine? So I wanted to really ask this question and mm. clarify. So we're going for the quick fire session. Are you ready? Yes. Uh huh. Question number one: What's your favorite food? Seafood. Yes, I don't even understand seafood. why seafood. There's nothing as basic on my tongue. As seafood. Auntie, I think because you grew up in a landlocked country. Some of us are well-traveled, so... Eh. Mm. Rowena, you're going to eat your seafood alone? <laughs> I'll keep eating chicken. We are done. <laughs> okay, second. What's your favorite season? The rainy season. The rainy season. Yeah, because when it rains, it's a show of us a new beginning. Yeah. It's just reminding you that, I don't know, it's get into bed, think about something good. Yeah. The ground is going to bring food. I, it, it, it gives me a hope of a new promise. I like rain. I think I like rain. A rainy season. Clearly the singles out there can't relate. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I you like know, the rainy yeah, season. There's that, there's that meme on the internet that... Uh, it, it's the rainy season, but I'm here to only remind you that pampas are more expensive oh, than God. a cup of tea. <laughs> yes, okay, the next one. What Name a four-letter word that starts with letter B. Book. Eh. Bold. Bond. I was going to say boob. Um, <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, okay, bend. Yeah, yeah that's bend. true. Yeah. One subject you like to learn more about. God. Oh God, and it's, I think it's a bit selfish. I want to learn more about God. Yeah. The Bible says, the more you read the Word of God, the more you'll have good success. Mm. So I want to be successful. That's, that's like? my motivation. Okay, fine. Yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> Which word do you have a hard time pronouncing? I think as a person from Rukunjiri, mm, anything with an R. Parallelogram. Yeah, okay. have I said it right? You can't have said it right because you have a hard time pronouncing that's it anyway. It. That's, that's, that's the word. <laughs> okay, we'll come to the end of the quick fire session. Now we go back to slow motion. Okay. What things? What What makes you Ugandan? What makes me Ugandan? I yeah, because Uganda is making sixty in yeah. 2022, yeah. so it's a good thing it for is. us to celebrate. What makes us Ugandan? What makes you Ugandan? I think. My culture, like, you know Uganda has a vibe. It's a vibe. Like, mm. it's, Ugandans have a way they just, they like people. They're friendly. Mm. They like to party, to meet, to eat together, to drink together. It's, it's like a community sort of thing, I think, that's really Ugandan. Yeah. That you don't find everywhere that you, you go. Yeah. And I think I'm also like that. I like... In the, I like being in spaces where there's a vibe, we're mm. together, we're laughing. Jagala vibe. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think that's, that's one that makes me really Ugandan, but also... Our music is kind of dope. Our music is really, really nice. It's really dope. I think yeah, that's it is. true. And I, I really vibe with Ugandan music. Mm. Yeah. What's your favorite song? Huh, my favorite song, The Guy Died. Mm. Remember, how are you born when a man called Radio was alive? Rowena, how old do you <laughs> think I am? <laughs> 
I'm actually offended. <laughs> On that note, I liked all his music, all of okay. it. Okay, I yeah. wasn't sure that you knew him. Okay. Yeah, but I liked a lot of radio's music, Radio and Weasel. Yeah, yeah. all of it. Well, yeah. we asked you for a favorite song. Don't play us. Nakudata. Oh, Nakwanini, yeah. Nakudata. Okay, I don't know the other words, but <laughs> but it's a very good song. Uh, now we are moving to the next question. How can government support the sector and the uh, the private sector? Because now you're in the private sector. Mm-hmm. So how can mm-hmm. government support the private sector and the people at large? Okay. I think, first of all, government in its support, both to private, private and public, mm. should keep its focus on the people. Mm. A government that doesn't look at the people will never add value to the people. Yeah. And I think that's very important. Yeah. That in all the things, all the efforts, all the policies, all the, the reforms, all the taxation, all the procedures, all the investment the people and making the lives of the people should be at the center of all our efforts. Yeah. Now, how I think particularly government can work with the private sector to do that, yes. to focus on improving the lives of the citizens and really their livelihoods. Yes. I think one would be to complement where private sector is falling short. I had mentioned earlier, government has a foothold in terms of policy, reform, regulation, which private sector, private sector does not have. Mm. So for us, we, may, we might have the funding we might have access to demand. We might have a drive to move, but legislation, policy, regulation will either propel or stifle us. Mm. So the one, first of all, is to help understand where is private sector struggling in those areas mm. and how can government help pave a way in terms of regulatory environment to help private sector move and advance. Yeah. The other way I think that we can both work together private and public sector, is to just harness our strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Most times it's a competition. If you look, for example, in the previous days, in the previous years, you'd see that where government is building infrastructure, private sector is building. Where There was sort of a lack of... of it was a competition that was, was not a, necessary. Yeah, which okay. wasn't necessary. Yeah. But mostly I think there was, there was no synergy in terms of alignment of plans and communication, which I think is now no longer an issue. Yeah. Because you see the digital transformation program, national planning authority, the backbone, things are coming together and we are now talking. So the beauty now, I think the way we can work together to help the, the citizen is to harness where is government thriving, where is private sector thriving, how do we complement each other in terms of investment, where government doesn't have money and we can invest, yeah. why don't we do that, where government has already made a plan five-year plan or three-year plan, and they've put money there, how do we complement where they're not moving? Yeah. So it's really just a synchrony of one where private sector is lacking and where government can come in with the focus on the citizen. Yeah. That's so yeah. true. And I actually enjoy the fact that, uh, two things. One, I enjoy that the private sector has now ga- gained momentum and are able to, to invest in government. Mm. Because before it was mostly development partners, yeah. someone out of the borders. Yeah. But to see that we're able to invest in our own, it's really dope. Yeah. And then when you say government should focus on the citizen, one of your colleagues, Stephen mm. Chirenga, keeps mm. saying, we should start benchmarking on citizen happiness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's such a joy. Yeah. Okay. Now, next question. Please note that Rowena is part of the Business Process Outsourcing and Innovation Council. And uh, we are thankful that you're part of it and you're able to put all this knowledge and merge with government and see how we can do it. It's do you have? Honor. It's your honor. Now, do you have any words of hope, courage, uh, or love to the people watching you or listening to you on the Ugandan podcast? I think mine would be encouragement. Mm. Um, no matter what, where life throws you. Like I said, yeah. lawyer, now I'm climbing poles and going under desks, but look at me. Eventually, 
if you stick to something and give it your best yes and really give it your best yeah. i don't i'm very anyone who's worked with me knows i really i don't stand mediocrity so i i slogan is do better <laughs> no, so my encouragement would be that no matter what it may look like now where life has thrown you do your best yeah. and by do your best exert yourself study something read something meet the right people network yeah. don't just sit there and say oh my god i wanted to be this and all oh, look at me now no yeah. exert yourself because there is a place for you to shine there is room for you to be at the top there is room for you to add value yeah. so i would encourage anybody who might feel as though they are not really where they want to be and they are under a desk or climbing a pole or whatever it may be exert yourself do your best always do better yeah. of course yeah trust in whichever god you believe but yeah do better but do yeah better. there's room for everybody to shine true yeah yeah so rowena i hate to be the bearer of bad news but <laughs> we have come to the end of this lovely episode of the ugandan podcast thank you for having me brandy valentine as yeah. you i thought when i said we've come to the end you'd be like crying sad no no no, no. i have me, my fans are watching let me do better <laughs> <laughs> so would you want to share your would you want to share your socials uh please not i'll do this for you thank you r53 Please only once in a month will you find a post on Instagram, <laughs> Twitter at most so do a retweet because she's very important. I feel like I'm being misrepresented here. <laughs> do better. I should. And then you can I follow should. you can follow Centenary Technology Services, yeah. Centetech on all platforms and uh, of course at MYCTUG please feel free to give us your feedback and also any questions and tell us who you'd want us to host any other day any other time and I've been your host at Valentine Brandy on Twitter at @brandycool on Instagram I'm not there on Facebook but sometimes I am but no and I've, we've had this episode and it has been such a joy for good and our country yep. we want to say bye bye